Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Well, tonight, the book of Revelation, this is session two. If you missed last week, it's available online. Uh, if you missed uh, the, uh, the format shift, we are, for the next good long while, uh, shifting the way that we do our encounter services to include a time of discussion uh, after about 35 minutes of teaching. And so uh, then we'll uh, finish all that off with about a 10-minute Q&A uh, with uh, the group leaders kind of presenting the questions that you guys come up with in your groups. And uh, last week, the feedback was it was super uh, fruitful to do the format this way, so we hoped as much, and we're going to stay the course. So tonight is session two, Purposes of the Revelation. And so we know uh, that uh, this book, the book of Revelation, was given to John. We went, we went over that last week. We talked a little bit about him being on the island of Patmos and him receiving this revelation, it being a very important uh, instructions. And what we want to do tonight is we want to break down some of, there's no way to get all of it in 35 minutes, but we want to get some of the purposes for the book of Revelation, some of the purposes of why the Lord gave us this book. Why is it important? And again, the notes will be passed out to you. One of the things that I try to do in these notes is give you more information written down here than we have time to talk about, because I hope you'll go study it and see if it's true. You know, go look up these Bible verses yourself instead of just trusting that I know what I'm talking about. What if I don't? What if I'm totally off? How would you know? Go to your Bibles. That's how you'll know. And so I've given you a ton of Bible references to look at and, and kind of chew on and digest in order to see uh, what the Holy Spirit is saying. So let's look here, part one, uh, Roman numeral one on page one, explaining the prophetic scriptures. This is a fun idea to me. It's just so exciting. Uh, some of the things that we're going to look at in this first section, this uh, a part A is, um, well, before I do that, I want to give a little bit of a recap of our purpose. We're doing like a ton of sessions on the book of Revelation. And what we're going to wind up doing is looking at the same material again and again from different angles because we're going to cluster some of these ideas together that are in chapter 1 and chapter 17 and chapter 21 in this session. And then in a different session, we're going to look at parts of chapter 21, but other parts of chapter 5 and chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at lots of different ideas, studying the book of Revelation thematically, not verse by verse. What that's going to allow us to do is see that same Bible verse again and again in different contexts to see how it means this, and it also means this, and it also means this. Now, with that being said, part A is a compilation of Old Testament ideas. This is going to blow your mind. Scholars say that there are over 550 uh, points to Old Testament scriptures found in the book of Revelation. So there's over 550 references in the book of Revelation to Old Testament passages and Bible verses. 550. There's only 404 verses. This book is not packed. It is power packed with Bible references from the Old Testament. I mean, you're talking about a book that actually presents very little new information. I want to say that again because this is, if this is a new idea to you, it might be like a no way really new idea. The book of Revelation has very little new information in it that wasn't already in the rest of your Bible. 
The book of Revelation has reference after reference after reference to Old Testament passages where prophets had already declared what the Holy Spirit was saying, the revelation of Jesus Christ all throughout the Old Testament. What the book of Revelation is, is God writing his own commentary on everything else he's already written. It is God bringing together all of those references into a storyline that we can actually track with that makes sense. God in kindness takes all these Old Testament prophecies, he puts them together, sometimes in chronological order, sometimes developing themes in ways that we couldn't have seen before because while this verse was in that uh, prophecy and this verse was in that book, we didn't know to put those two verses together and to make a storyline. The book of Revelation takes all these verses and ideas from your Old Testament and puts them together into a storyline we can track with. Thanks, God. Good idea. Especially when we're talking about information that's so intense, information that can be confusing at a first glance. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't just give us the information once. You then wrote a book with all of the information recapped, partnered together in a way that we could understand if we'd stare at it long enough. That's what the book of Revelation is. Very little new information. Lots of old information. I gave you in part A there just a few examples of like, I mean, like four. I mean, there's 500 of them or whatever. But I gave you four examples of places in your uh, Old Testament, in those prophets, that are then uh, found in the book of Revelation unpacked in a greater way. So if you needed a couple of examples to go and kind of look at and go, oh yeah, that, that was there. All right, moving on. Part D, the final revelation. In every way, this book is a final written account. It's the final written draft. Now the Holy Spirit's still speaking, the Holy Spirit's still leading, but as far as what we have written down, the book of Revelation gets to serve as the final word in a lot of ways. And that's, that's helpful for us to know. I just wanna give you three. One, it's the end of the prophetic scriptures. So as far as you know, getting prophetic information about the end of the age, prophetic information about the end times, the book of Revelation is the, the end cap. It's the last thing that God said that he wanted written down and recorded for believers to hang on to forever and ever, okay? That's what the book of Revelation is. It's an end cap of the prophetic scriptures. But it's also an end cap of the gospel. As we talked about last week, the gospel message is not just that he came and that he died and that he rose again. It's that he's coming back. The gospel is incomplete without the part that God is not out there, Jesus far away, maybe real, maybe not. It's that he's real and he's gonna come back to the planet and his tootsies are gonna touch the sand. Jesus is a real person. He's really returning. And the return of Christ is as essential to the gospel message as the resurrection of Christ. And we must not forget that. It is part of his story. He's the one that got to prioritize the story. The book of Revelation serves as the end cap to the gospel because it talks so much about him coming back. It talks about what that's going to be like and what we're going to feel like and what we're going to experience. <clears throat> also, the book of Revelation, as you know, it's the last book in our Bible, but it's also the last book that was written. It was the last a bit of information that the Holy Spirit saw fit to give us. So it was the final book that was written in uh, the New Testament order of you know, books as far as when they were written and what uh, time period. The, bo the book of Revelation was the last one. So in like a hundred ways, the book of Revelation is the last book 
It is a very important end cap, and the Lord really wanted to just stamp and give us uh, this uh, revelation. I told you guys last week that the book of Revelation is a letter. We talked a little bit about that, and that it's the longest letter in the New Testament. I mean, the Lord's just like trying to do everything he can to draw attention to the book of Revelation, and it's so crazy. We live in an hour where Peter said, scoffers will come. They'll try to reduce the book of Revelation. They'll try to get you to forget about it. They'll try to call it weird and get you to dismiss it. They'll say it's too hard to understand. They'll say it's not important. They'll say it's confusing. So give it up. Just let it go. Forget. Let that be one of those books that you read one time, get a check mark, and now you can, in your Bible, say, there, I did it. I got through that book. That's what we've been trained to do with the book of Revelation, and it's the complete opposite that the Lord wants for us. It is very important and highlighted over and over the importance of this book. All right, moving on to page two. Top of page two. <coughs> I told you we were going to talk about the purpose. It's really purposes of the book of Revelation. It was given so that we could know what's coming. The very first verse, very first chapter, very first verse, we are told the purpose of the book of Revelation, but as we'll see in a minute, this purpose is like packed. It is a very packed purpose. I mean, this purpose is as packed as when two cells come together to form a human. All the DNA is in there. It looks like, ah, it's just two cells, no big deal. It's like, no, everything is in there, everything. And we're gonna see that while Jesus gives us the angel, you know, gives it to John and John explains it to us. We're given the purpose of the book of Revelation in Revelation 1.1. That purpose has immense information hidden behind it. There's a lot packed into it. So here it is. <coughs> revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. So if you need just the most simple purpose for the book of Revelation, it's to show the church the future. That's what the purpose of the book of Revelation is if you need just one phrase. But oh my, that phrase. How power packed. <clears throat> Looking down in Revelation 4.1, it says more or less the same thing, just a couple of chapters into the book of Revelation. But now it says not only was John given this revelation, to show the church what must soon take place, John was actually brought into heaven and allowed to see it with his eyeballs. So it's not that just John was told, you know, an angel sitting down, sipping a cup of tea with John. John, let me tell you a story. And he starts unpacking all this book of Revelation stuff. No, John is given the revelation by going into heaven and seeing it with his eyes. This is really intense. So here it is, Revelation 4.1, come up here. And I will show you what must, soon take, what must take place after this. And if you go look at the context there of uh, Revelation 4.1, it says that a door opened into heaven, and that's where he's now being beckoned through that door. John, come up here into heaven, and now let me instruct you and tell you what's about to take place. So I believe that John, when he heard that, that voice from heaven saying, come up here and I'll show you what's going to take place, he understood, okay, everything that's about to happen after this is so that I'll know what must soon take place. So now John, when he's writing the book of Revelation after his encounter, you know, he wasn't writing it as it was happening. He wrote it later. He's writing it down. He's going, oh, I remember the purpose. I, I got brought up into heaven for this purpose. The purpose was to show the church what must soon take place. Very important purpose. 
Well, the reason that this is important and interesting is it's complex. I mean, in my opinion, this statement to show his servants what must soon take place, it might be one of the most complex statements in the entire book of Revelation because so much is meant by that statement. I mean, all of you right now are probably thinking a little bit of what is meant by that statement. And I bet you all of you have different answers and all of you are probably right. There is so much that is meant by show you what must soon take place. So many focuses and sub-focuses. I gave just a few here. Part uh, C on page two. His plan, Jesus' plan, includes what he's gonna be releasing on the planet. Some of the good stuff, some of the bad stuff. His plan includes what he'll be doing through his people. His plan includes how he will judge wicked men how he will release unusual manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but if it starts raining blood, I'm going to call that an unusual manifestation. That is unusual right there. His plan includes powerful invitations even to the lost world. Again and again in the book of Revelation, invitations to repent, invitations to turn, invitations to receive Jesus are made again and again in the midst of all the chaos. There's a lot going on there. I mean, that list, I gave you five. The list could probably be 60 or 100 or I don't know. Who knows, maybe 540. I mean, there could be a lot on there. I just gave you a few to kind of give you a little bit of an idea. Now, I wanna talk about the book of Revelation given to show us what must soon take place. I wanna rephrase that slightly. I wanna say it this way, to equip the church for what must soon take place. Because God doesn't give you information just for novelty's sake, you know? Like God, you know, speaks to you in your heart, and it's just so you can say God told you. No, he's giving you information that matters for a purpose. So the book of Revelation is not just words, it's instructions. In fact, you could call it an instruction manual for the church that's going to be alive in the last days. So I want to look at this a little bit. In his mercy, he gave us the book of Revelation. I'm telling you it is mercy to have this much information about the future, this much information about what's gonna unfold, about his ways, about his heart, about his leadership. We're gonna do a session on the leadership of the lamb found in the book of Revelation. I am so excited about that session, and I won't lie, I'm stealing it straight from my friend Cheryl Allen. I heard her preach a message, and it just it stirred my heart, and I just started drafting and writing expounding upon the leadership of the lamb. When we look at the book of Revelation, we are seeing a tremendous amount of mercy from God that is being expressed to the church that we might know the plans of God ahead of time and be able to partner with him. It contains plenty of material, plenty of warnings in order to fully prepare us for what is coming. Now, I just want to give you a couple of Bible verses here that you'll know this first one for sure. But if you read it carefully, you see this verse that you're very familiar with is actually an end times verse. It's Ephesians. I got it at the bottom of page two here. Ephesians 6.13. Put on the full armor of God <coughs> so that when the day of evil comes. Is there ever a day of evil more uh, indicative of being called the day of evil? Then the last days and the revealing of the man of lawlessness and everything connected with it. So it absolutely applies to other bad days. But this scripture is actually talking about preparing the church all the way up until the day of evil at the very, at the very end of the age. And why? 
Why are we putting on the full armor of God? Why are we being equipped? Why are we being prepared? So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. The equipping is so that you can stand. That's what it's for. That after you've done everything, you'll stand. That's a very important reality. Look at Matthew 10, 13. Just another one of these verses just talking about the purposes of the Lord, why he would reveal information to us ahead of time. It's to equip us, to equip us, to equip us. Look at this verse in Matthew 10, verse 13, top of page three. At that time, again, this is talking about the end of the age. Many will turn away from the faith. They will betray and hate each other. These are talking about Christians turning on each other, betraying and hating one another. And in the midst of all that, many false prophets will appear and they will deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. We just read the verse in Ephesians that the purpose of the Lord for equipping us, the purpose of the Lord for causing us to be readied and prepared for what's coming is so that we could stand. And here it is now, we see again at the end of the age, there is a way to stand, but it will require that partnership, that preparation ahead of time. So now let's talk about a few of these purposes, a few of the ways that the Lord wants to equip us, a few of the things he wants to equip us with. Part A, the book of Revelation provides us with a roadmap. How cool we get to know the, the end. I mean, we get to know what's coming we get to see how things are going to go and that we get to then pay attention to it. I want to read you this verse again. We read it last week, but I want to come at it now from a different angle. Revelation 1, 1 through 3, and specifically the latter part here. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. So what the, this is being uh, conveyed to us, what we're learning here is, if there's a blessing that rests on hearing it and knowing it well enough that you can pay attention and do something with it because you're going to need it because the time is coming. This is very important that we know the roadmap, but not just that we've read it, that we apply it. Let me read that again. Blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written. You know what it is to hear a sermon and just let it go in one ear and out the other. You know what it is. Some of you are doing it right now. But there's a difference of taking to heart a message where you walk out of there with a little bit of conviction in your spirit and you're going, I gotta live different. I gotta do something different. I've got to apply that word. I have to live out of the truth of what I just learned. It's no longer okay for me to just hear that message. I've gotta apply it. That's what it means to take it to heart. There's a blessing that rests on those who take the book of Revelation to heart, meaning we heard it and we, we applied it in our lives. That's what this book is saying. It's equipping so that we could know the road ahead, but we've got to actually apply the information. Next, it prepares us. Oh Lord, thank you. It prepares us to walk in victory. Let me read you this passage out of Revelation chapter 12, right in the middle of all the mess. Everything's going on. The Antichrist is martyring all kinds of saints. There's all kinds of difficulties and problems all around. And look at the testimony of those who walked into the situation prepared. 
Look at the testimony. Let's get some hope here. The testimony of those who encounter that man and encounter that day, and they're prepared, they're readied. Look what it says. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God. I'm in the middle of page three there, Revelation 12. Now have come the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Now, right now, now is the moment. Right in the middle of the great tribulation, right in the middle of the Antichrist aggression, right now has come the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, talking about Satan, has been hurled down, but they, it just says they, there's this they group. There's some group that's the they's. They overcame him, overcame Satan, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. There will be a church prepared to stand even to the point of death. There will be a people that love Jesus, that have been prepared in the place of friendship with God and understanding the scriptures, that have been equipped to stand in that hour even to the point of losing their life if that's what's asked of them. They won't wake up prepared one day. You don't just wake up ready to die a martyr for Jesus. Nobody. Doesn't happen. It takes working in the heart. All of us deal with fear of man issues. I'm telling you the best that you can think of struggles with those things. They've got to get worked out of us. They get worked out of us by reading these scriptures over and over and seeing ourselves as the they. Who are you? I'm part of the they from Revelation chapter 12 who's going to overcome. I'm part of the they. And we start to see ourselves as the they. And we then are preparing ourselves. It's powerful. It enables us to interpret arising difficulties. You know, I just want to say this. This is a a crazy, we'll spend some time on it in a future session. This is a crazy prophecy in the book of Revelation, chapter 9, and it's not an isolated passage. There's a bunch of passages that say more or less the same thing. There's a time coming on planet Earth. We don't want to read the book of Revelation like it's some far-off fantasy world. It's Narnia. This is real, okay? We want to read the book of Revelation as planet Earth, this one, this planet Earth. Not an alternate universe, not a galaxy far, far away, this one. Okay, we want to read it and understand this (coughs) about the planet you live on. Here is a prophecy about the culture of the earth, the culture of mankind on the planet you live on. This is a future promise from God. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent. They did not stop worshiping demons nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Now, I want to put together two concepts that are very painful here. The rest of mankind, okay? There is a time when all those that don't love the Lord and all those that weren't just killed in this plague that was mentioned, we'll get to that later, all those that weren't just killed in this plague and all of those that don't have a relationship with Jesus, the rest of mankind are murderers and they're into witchcraft and they're into every wicked form of sexual immorality. The rest of mankind, the rest, all of them. That means the culture of the earth is going to devolve worse and worse and worse. Remember the verse we read just a minute ago, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. We're talking about living in a culture that is not going to get better, friends. It's going to get more and more dark And by looking at the book of Revelation, we can know that and see that and in our hearts begin to interpret the rising difficulties. 
things that show up in the news, things that show up in the legal system, we look at it and go, that was actually, that was gonna have to happen. That was gonna have to happen. Because the word of God says the earth is gonna be filled with so much wickedness that God can no longer wait and leave judgment off of it anymore. He has got to come and meet that wickedness full on. There's coming a time, we need the hope that the book of Revelation gives that we can interpret the rising difficulties. It readies us to witness and to proclaim. You know what's gonna be like the coolest thing? If we know this book, we know it inside and out, like the Lord would want us to, like the Holy Spirit would give us grace to understand. There is coming a time where real time, the book of Revelation is going to be unfolding real time on a planet near you. If you've been paying attention, you'll be able to, you could say prophesy, but really it's just read and read the next line. You'll be able to tell all those around you what's gonna happen either tomorrow or in the coming weeks. Oh, that just happened. And they're gonna start coming to you and going, what's next? You go, well, actually, I can tell you exactly what's next. Man, you're a prophet of God. Well, actually, I've got about a third grade education, but I can read. And this is what's coming next according to what God gave us, the book of Revelation. All of a sudden, the book of Revelation is going to become the most relevant document in existence. It's going to go from not having relevancy, being dismissed, to being the most accurate prophetic document, prophetic information that has ever been. And all we need to do is make sure we understand it because the Lord actually desires to use that witness that the church would know the hour that we're living in and would actually be able to partner and prophesy and speak the word of the Lord as a witness to the, the sovereignty of God who gave us the information long before it happened. I promise you this, the book of Revelation is not in any primary way for lost people. Lost people wouldn't read the book of Revelation or have the spirit of wisdom in their heart to understand it if they read it. The book of Revelation is for the church to know what must soon take place. The church, the church, you, me. Remember Revelation 1.1, given so that the church, so that the saints might know what must soon take place. That's the purpose of the book of Revelation. All right, I'm gonna keep going because we've got about 10 minutes left here. A source of great encouragement. You go, I don't know about that. It seems like a lot of blood and death and smoke and fire. Yeah, there's that too. But part A here, a source of great encouragement. I want to give you three categories of encouragement. The first, an encouragement to the end time martyrs. There is coming a time when there will be more martyrdom globally in the kingdom of God than all martyrdom in human history. And it will all happen in a very short period of time in a, a very profound and evil way. Now that's not really good news, but knowing ahead of time that it's gonna happen and that the Lord sees it, that he's pleased with those that stand in the midst of it, we can actually, if we take it to heart, we can actually be like Stephen in the book of Acts, who's getting stoned. I'm talking rocks. You know when they stopped stoning you? When you were dead and a pile of rocks covered you like a grave. So Stephen is getting stoned and covered in rocks, and yet he's not really there. He's looking up, seeing the one who sees him. 
This is a powerful testimony to the martyrs to understand that the Lord is going to see, he's going to pay close attention. He's going to watch the martyrdom of his saints. And he is going to be pleased not with the evil act of the martyrdom, but pleased with the yes response in the heart that didn't shrink back even unto death. That is going to be massively encouraging, but it's only going to be encouraging if we've read the verses enough to be encouraged by them. Every encouraging word has to be spoken and heard. And so we need to have the words read over us, spoken over us, remember these things, reflect on these things. It will be of massive encouragement to the martyrs. Look at this, Revelation 6, 9. Under the altar, <clears throat> the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and their testimony that they had maintained, they called out in a loud voice. These aren't weird ethereal spirits. These are people who died. Maybe some of you are these. These are real people. And they're crying out, God, how long are you going to put up with this nonsense? How long until you judge those that have been cutting off our heads? How long? And it says this, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? How long? This is a powerful dialogue happening between these martyrs and the father. And then each of them was given a white robe and they were told, wait a little longer. The answer is not never. The answer is not no. The answer is I have a time and you better believe I'm going to avenge your blood. I have a moment and your blood will be avenged. But you must wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. There's a number. God has a number. It's important to him. I bet you that number has meaning in his heart. It's not some arbitrary number. He knows the faces, he knows the names, he knows the dates, he knows the moments, he knows the stones and the swords and the guns. He knows the number and he says, I have a number and when that number hits, you better believe I'm coming. I'm going to deal very harshly with it. This is God seeing the martyrdom of every single martyr. It's a powerful testimony. Next source of encouragement to the church at large. Look at this, this is Revelation <coughs> filled with warnings. It's also filled with promises. And here's the promise, read it to you earlier, but just get it again. Then I heard in a, a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. I want you to think about this word now. When God says soon, duck. That's a scary word. Soon could mean anything. When God says now, it's now, now. And there is a now moment. And the now moment is this, the actual reality of the salvation of God on the earth. The actual release, the real-time release of the power of God. The fullness of the kingdom of God established on the earth. And the recognition of the authority of Christ on earth. Every knee bowing, every tongue confessing. It doesn't happen right now. Not every, barely. Barely every tongue confesses. Barely any knee bows to the name of Jesus. A time is coming 
when every knee will bow. And you know when it is? Now is Revelation 12, 10, the reality of the kingdom of God in full force with a date circled on God's calendar, it's coming. That's encouragement to the church. Because I'm telling you what, when all the bad things are going down, there's gonna be a bunch of us going, oh my gosh, is this ever gonna stop? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? What is gonna happen? And the Lord says, I promise you I have an appointed day and the day of the kingdom of God will break in. There is a moment in the calendar of God. Next, encouragement. This one to me is my favorite. To instill hope for us, in us, for the final victory. To instill hope, to believe in victory all the way until the end. Look at all these verses. I just wanna read them. I'll read them one at a time. The one, uh, to the one who, uh, my goodness, having a hard time. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. Be faithful even to the point of death. I will give you life as your victor's crowned. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and its image. Revelation 21, seven, those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. We cannot throw out the storyline of the victorious church in the book of Revelation. Those who are victorious in the midst of all these things, God will be seeing and God will be rewarding. We wanna get encouragement to see ourselves as the victor, the victorious, the one who's victorious, the one who overcomes. We wanna see ourselves this way and begin to get that hope. Why? There's not even all the verses. There's a bunch more that say the exact same thing. Those are all Revelation verses, all of them. The book of Revelation is to encourage, to exhort, and to strengthen and to instill hope in the church to be victorious all the way to the end, even in the midst of the most difficult time of human history. That's what the book of Revelation is. It's also a warning about what's coming. Now, I'm going to skip over most of uh, this section. I really just want to touch on one part. I'm going to read uh, this first verse and then touch on one of the uh, letters that we've got here, and then we'll break into groups. But this is a word I just want you to take to heart. This is in the Gospels. This is Jesus being the pastor. Sometimes he's the encourager. Sometimes he's the corrector. Sometimes he's the bridegroom. In this passage, he's the pastor who's looking after his flock, and he's, I can almost see him like, be careful, little sheep. Like, be careful, little lamb. He says this, be careful, or your hearts will be. He promises. Jesus says, if you're not careful, your hearts will be something. And you go, I hope it's a good something. It's 10 bad things. He says, you be careful, or your hearts will be. Your hearts will be weighed down with carousing. No, no, Jesus, we love you. You, if you're not careful, your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day, talking about his coming and all that's related to it, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Jesus, this is really intense. This is the word of the Lord to the church. Be careful or you will not last through what's coming. Be careful. For it will come at a time, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. 
What's the antidote? What do we do? Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape what is about to happen, that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. There it is, stand again. Stand in the evil day. Stand in the evil day. We're told again and again, be victorious in the midst of the difficulty. Stand, stand, stand. The Lord is giving us this exhortation. Be careful or that day is going to close on you like a trap. The way that you avoid it is you're watchful and you're prayerful. Now, one of the warnings that Jesus gave us, and then we'll break into our groups, is this warning here in Revelation 22, 18 through 19. Read it with me. Next page. I warn. <clears throat> I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, talking about the entire book of Revelation, I warn you, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes away words from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. Can I tell you, this is more than about plagiarizing the, the book of Revelation and changing a few words, taking some stuff out and, and putting some stuff in. I mean, that's terrible. Don't do that. But the book of Revelation again and again is told to us that it's a very important document. This warning is telling us it is very important that you do not ignore these texts. It is very important that you don't add to, you do not take away, you don't ignore. It's very important that you're paying attention to this prophecy. I gave you this prophecy. I promised a blessing on this prophecy. You've got to heed the words of this prophecy. You can't ignore it. You can't dismiss it. You can't sideline this book. It's so important. You will need the information in this book. And yes, therefore, you need to make sure you've got the legitimate copy that didn't get changed. Nothing taken out or nothing added. We need to make sure that we've got it. We've preserved the Bible. We've preserved the word of God in the book of Revelation. Here we are now in this hour, the preserved revelation of Jesus Christ. We must not take that for granted. It's been preserved for a purpose that we might understand it and take to heart what is in it and apply it. All right, let's wrap up. Hopefully you got that question. Group leaders, do your best to write down that question. All right, so what we're going to do here is, again, this, these wrap-up moments, the reason that we do them, we do the, the group takeaway because I'm hoping if the one thing is said 10 times, you'll walk away having learned at least that one thing tonight. Okay, so that's the reason I want you to do a group takeaway. And then the question, just I'm leaning heavily on our group leaders to take your ideas and to formulate one question uh, that then we'll be able to, to hit. So since we started over here last week, we'll start over here this week and we'll go around the room. So group leaders, uh, kind of get ready one at a time to, to give me the question that you guys had from your group and then we'll, we'll do our best to talk it through. So, uh, so Luke, what, what about your group? Yeah, it's good. So I think the question is um, the, the common thought that you can believe this about the end times and you can believe that and you can believe this and really none of it really matters. It's all going to be fine because we love Jesus. Everything's going to be all right. Uh, how, how can that be or is that real? And specifically related to the statement um, that we're given at the end of the book of Revelation that says don't add anything to this and don't subtract anything from it. So 
Uh, what we believe really, really does matter. There are teachers in the body of Christ that say that sexual immorality is okay. Sexual immorality is never okay. Sexual immorality is sin. The Lord wants to help us out of sin. He doesn't want to pat us on the back and say, it's okay for you to continue that route. Uh, what, it doesn't much matter what we think. We don't get a vote. It's God. And so we, we can't like go, ah, book of Revelation, maybe it's important or maybe it's not. When there's so many passages in the book of Revelation that scream, I'm important, pay attention to me. And so, you know, I can remember being that guy and then reading the book of Revelation a little bit and seeing some of these warnings that are like, I almost heard the Lord like, Brad, you better pay attention. Do you see what this Bible verse says? It says you better pay attention. And I started to get gripped and go, oh my gosh, like I am totally not doing what this is saying to do. And I had to come to a revelation. My ideas don't matter. It doesn't matter what I think. Like, what, what does this say? And, I, and admittedly, it takes some time to get used to the language. I mean, how would you ever learn Mandarin in five minutes? You get, you get one lesson on you know, how to speak Chinese and in five minutes, you're good to go. No chance. You gotta study that thing and look at it and go over it and practice it. And that's how we get the language of the book of Revelation. That's how we get understanding in the book of Revelation. I think so much of the confusion comes from, especially from a Western mindset, we are so lazy. We want our Netflix show. We don't want to study the book of Revelation. But God didn't command us to, to watch Netflix. But he did command us to understand the book of Revelation. And so it's like we've got to get our priorities a little bit more straight. I would guess that's kind of my answer. So uh, how about this group? Good question. That's great. Great question. So the question, the, uh, the exhortation, be prepared that you might be able to stand. How can we know that we're like on that trajectory? Great question. I would say it breaks down to three things and I'll pull them from the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation calls to obedience and following the lamb wherever he goes. The book of Revelation again and again exhorts obedience to the scripture, obedience to God. So obedience is a huge one. Obedient, you can't like be okay with God and still be disobedient to all the stuff God says to do. So if you're practicing obedience now, that's a really good trajectory. If you're like, eh, I don't really care that that's in the Bible or don't read that Bible verse to me because then I'd know it's there and then I'd have to do it. That's a bad place to be. But if we see what the word says and go, oh, I'm like really a foul person. I've got that in me. God help me. That's a really good spot to be. The Lord calls us to obedience. Second point. The, uh, the, the verse that I read you out of Luke chapter 21, where Jesus is being the pastor, and he's saying, be careful, and then he calls carefulness watching and praying. He says, be careful that you would be prayerful, that you would have a prayer life, that you would have friendship with God, intimacy with God, fellowship with God, you'd have a real prayer life, you'd actually have a real engaged prayer life, that you'd be praying about different stuff, and that you would be watchful. And if I can break down watchful in a simple word, it's know what the Bible says so that you could see if it was happening on the news. So many times what we do, if we're just honest as lazy Americans, we do the opposite. We see what's happening on the news and we go, is that in the Bible? And then we misconstrue what's in the word of God. It, it's, we're doing it opposite. So we're supposed to be watchful and prayerful 
And I'm throwing in obedient because the whole word, it says, obey me, okay? And so I would think those are three things. If you're doing that now and you're going, oh God, help, 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 you're on the trajectory. The ones that wind up okay are the ones that have been doing that for a while. You don't just wake up one day and you're prepared and everything's good to go. We, we grow in obedience. We grow in understanding of the word. We grow in a life of prayer. And the Lord desires that we would not be those that grow cold, that we would be those that grow in a life of prayer, grow in obedience, and grow in our understanding of what the scripture says, that we could be mindful and watchful and see it as it unfolds. So that's, that's an important uh, question. It's great. Yeah, Andy. Yeah. So the question is, um, more or less bottom line, uh, there's a lot of martyrs in the book of Revelation. What's that about? Why is that important? How does that kind of uh, fit? So you can't have a rise of evil in the earth and that not wind up lashing out against the church. Like the church is going to be in bright righteousness saying, that's bad. The church is always going to call bad, bad. The church is never going to go, yeah, that horrible thing. Yeah, we're good with that. Go ahead. Thumbs up. The church is going to get into so much trouble because the church is going to call bad stuff, bad stuff. And as wickedness increases, people are not going to like at all the church calling bad stuff, bad stuff. They're going to go, no, why don't you get on board? Why don't you kind of, you know, start like get a little bit of liberal thinking, like stop calling this stuff bad. Stop being so old fashioned and agreeing with the Bible. We don't like that, that old book. We don't like that whole thing. And as the church agrees with the scripture and darkness gets darker, light is going to get brighter. And that is going to cause problems because darkness isn't just going to get darker in thought, it's going to get darker in action. And darker in action is going to eventually equal lots and lots of believers dying for their faith because they were standing on the truth. There will be a bunch of believers that are martyred, not even just because they said Jesus is Lord, but because they said sexual immorality is sin. But they were just standing for the ways of Jesus. And they were standing on something, and as a result, they're going to wind up being in total conflict with the culture that's going to be growing darker and darker while the church is growing brighter and brighter. And with love, not with finger pointing and you're bad, but with love speaking the truth, it's going to get the church in so much trouble. Let's just remember our Savior, the founder of our faith, was a martyr. He died for saying true stuff about God and about his purposes. We should not think it so odd that as followers of Jesus, there would be suffering in our future and even suffering the way he suffered. Not every person, but certainly some. And so the role of martyrdom is there is no greater in this life, there is no greater proof of that truth in you. You lose a, uh, you lose a few dollars, that costs you. You lose some friends, that costs you. You lose your life, it's, you've lost it all. There is no greater testimony of the worth of Jesus Christ than a martyred saint that stood for the truth and lost their life for him. So actually, in the wildest, most interesting way that the Lord works for the good of those who love him, the martyrs who are, the, it's the greatest tragedy that they lost their life are also the brightest witnesses in history. Only the Lord. Only the Lord could pull that off. So the subject of martyrdom is actually the storyline of the book of Revelation. It is the conflict between light and darkness that is at its actual like greatest point. So great, great question. How about over here? Cass? Okay, so I have a question about the 
Yeah. So the question. Okay, good. Well, that's, that's great. Made it easy. We might get out of here early. So <laughs> the question, and I'm repeating the question for those that are watching online and for the recording. So the question was, the Bible says all this bad stuff's going to happen. I mean, shouldn't we just retire and just let it happen? Like, why do we pray? Why do we try to make righteousness happen if it's all just going to go to heck and high water anyway? What are we doing? Why does it matter? Righteous Noah was the only one in the only family that didn't get dead because righteous Noah was standing for what was right and good in a wicked and depraved generation. The Lord likens the end times to the generation of Noah and says, those that will be like Noah will receive the blessing like Noah. So it matters much that we stay the course. Why do we pray? Because one baby that isn't aborted is a giant win. Because one person you prayed into the kingdom of God is a giant win. Because one little revival that started up in some little small town and 300 people give their lives to the Lord is a massive win for the kingdom of God. And, and I tell you what, they will laugh at your question in heaven. Go, why did it matter? It mattered to me. I was going to hell. It mattered to me. I wasn't going to be born. It mattered to me because I got the healing. It mattered to me. It matters. It matters. It matters. And so we stand for the truth of righteousness and the purposes of the kingdom because it doesn't say 100% of every day is going to be bad. It says it's going to be a dark day. Go be light in it. And we can actually make significant impact in the light in the midst of the darkest darkness. So some of the greatest miracles, some of the greatest testimonies, some of the greatest stories that will ever be told in the courts of heaven have yet to happen. And there'll be you doing it in the midst of dark days. It is very important that the church prays, seeks the Lord, does works of righteousness, evangelizes, prophesies. It is so important that the kingdom of God burst forth. It's just the rest of the story is, oh yeah, by the way, they're going to hate it and there's going to be great opposition. Great darkness will rise all the more that you would be bright and that you would stand. Remember all those exhortations to stand, to be victorious, to stand and be victorious. We're being victorious because that victory isn't marginalized. It's making real impact in lives of real people. And if you didn't stand, if you didn't do that, if you didn't prophesy, if you didn't pray for that thing, if you didn't you know, speak that word of righteousness, the people that are gonna be positively impacted by your doing won't be. It is massively important that the church walk in righteousness. Great questions. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.